you have a business idea, or maybe you don't, but you do know that you want to be an entrepreneur. Do you need an MBA? Our guest, Senior Executive Director at HEC Paris's Innovation Entrepreneurship Center, is going to share her thoughts and profound experience with us in today's episode. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 492nd episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Are you trying to figure out how you should approach the four to eight applications that you're planning to submit when applying to an MBA program? You can get tips and answers by taking Accepted's free, short, just six questions quiz at accepted.com slash MAPMBA. That's M-A-P-M-B-A. By taking the quiz, you'll get a sense of how well you're approaching this critical process and as well gain access to relevant resources, both free and paid, that will provide you with an effective and efficient strategy for your MBA application effort. Take this quick quiz at accept.com slash map MBA. Our guest today, Inga Kaklo-Devi, earned her master's in marketing and communications at HCC Paris in 2006. Since then, she worked in business in Paris and then became executive vice president of HEC Paris's executive education program, focusing on global business development. In 2019, she moved into her current role as senior executive director and senior vice president of the HEC Paris Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center. And in 2021, I guess she was bored. She added to her responsibilities the role of co-site lead executive at the Creative Destruction Lab in Paris in partnership with the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center. Inga, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you very much, Linda. A pleasure to have you. Now, can you tell us a little bit about both HEC's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center and the Creative Destruction Lab in Paris? Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you very much for having me. So the Innovation Entrepreneurship Center at uh, Ashesi is actually the whole ecosystem we built as a school around innovators and entrepreneurs. So as we say, we think, we teach, we act around innovation entrepreneurship, so which means we do research on innovation entrepreneurship. We have more than 20 programs we are teaching at, a, at the school to, learn, to teach innovation entrepreneurship to our students. And last but not least, we have all our incubators, acceleration programs, so the learning by doing, by action part. So again, we think, we teach, we act around innovation entrepreneurship. And to conclude on this, entrepreneurship is really part of the DNA of the school. We have one of our masters, it's more than 45 year old. So it's really a long lasting tradition, so to say, uh, to work on entrepreneurship at HEC Paris. So this is my answer for HEC Paris and the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center. CDL, Creative Destruction Lab, has been founded 10 years ago in Canada, actually, in Toronto, oh. at the Rotman Management School. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And now they're partnering with 12 universities all over the world. And it's actually an objective-based program for massively scalable seed stage science and technology-based companies. To make a long story short, it's really an acceleration program for deep tech 
And this program actually has an intake for more than 600 companies per year now. So it's really around deep tech and global uh, acceleration program. So this is the CDL Creative Destruction Lab. And we have one lab in Paris and we have one lab on climate and one lab on space. What's the difference between deep tech and tech? <laughs> Very good question. I think I can. Give I, I, I thought you were going to think it's a, it's a simple, uh, uh, <laughs> an elementary, ignorant question. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I think I can give like ten different answers to this. So um, for us, it's really we can see this uh, really emerging more and more engineering and scientific um, projects, and so those are really long long-term project. So we are working with scientists and engineers to get this fundamental engineering and scientific projects to grow. So for us, it's really yeah based on scientific projects and engineering projects to give this deep tech long-term projects. Wow. I was wondering if a distinction was there are companies that use existing tech in innovative ways, and mm. then there are companies that are developing new tech. Yeah, I think it's also the way we can, again, when I say we're working with the scientists and engineers, they're coming out of the laboratory laboratories. It's research-based. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. I think it's, a, it's an interesting way to, to say it. All right, that's fascinating. If I have a business idea, it probably would <laughs> not be deep tech, but if I had a business idea, or maybe I don't yet have a business idea, but I know that I want to be an entrepreneur at some point in my career, how can an MBA help me succeed? I think two different stages. If you have already your idea or if you're just joining an MBA, what we can see is very often the people are launching their business or their ideas a little bit after the MBA studies, actually. So they learn all the basics. Um, they build their network. They meet also people. And then sure. the business idea is actually growing and emerging a little bit later. So this is one thing we can see. So the MBA is first and the business idea and the, the growing business is then after, the, uh, after the, they graduate. But also we have some of them that already have the business ideas. So for example, at Ashtasi, we, we offer a specialization for entrepreneurship. So then you can even during your MBA studies, you can meet investors, you can learn from peers to peer, and you can get access to this quite amazing ecosystem we have. So you can grow your idea during your studies and get help again from peers, from professors, from the ecosystem, from Ashesi alumni, again, this whole ecosystem around you. So two different ways to do your entrepreneurship project uh, when you come to an MBA at, at Ashesi at least. Do you have any idea, I know this is this, you might not have at your fingertips, how many <laughs> And I'm going to pronounce it the American way because I don't know how to do it the French way. How many HEC grads be, start their own business either while at HEC or immediately after? And then how many do it a few years down the road? Yeah. So the, the, yeah, the figures, the data we have, because we follow up on those data. Sure. First answer, almost 25% of our grads are have the plan to build their own business when they're graduating, which is an amazing amount, yeah. to be honest, yeah. because a few years ago, you're like five or 
10 years ago was not the same amount of people. Mm -hmm. You know, people were going to a consulting, to a bank, whatever. Fashion. Uh, and now, and in very international companies like L'Oreal or whatever. Uh, and now they're more and more interested in building their own business. So again, 25% overall, I'd actually say. So we have on campus per year, 400 projects. So our students are building 400 projects per year when they are on campus. And that would not just be MBA. That would be multiple degree yeah, programs, it's, right? It's yeah. MBA and all master degrees. Right. Um, so an executive MBA too. So we go because we have the MBA, the full-time MBA and the executive MBA. Right. Um, so 400 projects per year, not all of them are growing them and going, yeah, further, but then we have the Ashosi incubator. So what we can see when they come to the incubator, so at the moment we have 200 projects at the incubator. And to ask, answer your last question, Linda, is how many times, what about three years or four years down the road, is uh, we have a survival rate, as we say, of 85% a, uh, three years after they uh, started at the incubator. Right. So that's a, that's very like impressive. Together. It's a, it's a very high figure. And so, yeah, they're, most of them are really, yeah, pursuing their business than once they have joined the Ashley Incubator. And so, what, what kind of support do they get from the incubator? I guess they get office space. Yeah, what, this know. is a small part, office space. Yeah. And, you know, we are now post-pandemic. So office space is nice, but it's not the whole piece. So right. they have office space. Still, they have a very fancy office space because our incubator is at the Station F which is the most important startup campus worldwide. And then we have our 200 startups there. So they have office space, of course, but this is a small part. I think the important part is we have a specific uh, sur-mesure custom-made program, uh, which is not a fixed program. So they have a à la carte menu. Uh, they have office hours with our experts, our alumni, our professors. We have 650 experts around our incubies, so to say, at, at in our incubator. So they get this uh, custom-made a la carte program, depending on their project. Uh, they have staff, for sure, following them. And then they have access to this amazing ex team of experts. Wow. Yeah, and then I think they quite benefit a lot from our alumni network, which also give them not only access to, to finance or funding or whatever, it's also about business. And I think at the moment, I think it's even more important to get the business access to have your first customers and not only fundraising. So yeah, again, they benefit then from this ecosystem. That's fantastic. So, sounds sound very, very impressive. Now, you know, in reading, <laughs> sometimes you hear criticism of the MBA as a as a tool for engineer, uh, as a tool for entrepreneurs, I remember a year or two ago I read an article in the Wall Street Journal by Andy Kessler, who's a columnist there, and he argued that the MBA isn't worth it. And let's face it, some some will say that entrepreneurs would be better off acquiring business skills less expensively, you know, taking the courses or getting a certificate, and then investing the two hundred thousand dollars that they would end up investing in the MBA when you add up out of pocket expenses and lost income invest it in their entrepreneurial venture and learn from the experience. Mm. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I think we, we get this question quite often. And I'm sure I, you can. All, yeah. all the candidates joining us sometimes asking this question. Too, yeah, to be yeah. Um, I think 
a few answers to this. There's not one answer, of course. What we can see is the competencies they get during the MBA really help them to be very efficient in the business world. So, and especially, honestly, during the pandemic and this uncertainty, uh, people are even looking more for MBA training. So we really had in increasing numbers of people joining the MBA during this uncertain time. So first part of the answer. Second, we also follow our MBA students a couple of years after they graduated. So what we can see, they have all an ROI. Um, they don't ask this question anymore three or four years later, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, so it's also something like a feedback for us. Again, they can benefit then from, from our faculty, of course. Last but not least, I think network and community are priceless. They're getting access to this big alumni community. We have 68,000 alumni all over the world. We have more than 80, we call them chapters, you know, group of people in different countries. Sure. So they get immediately access to a totally global network. I think this is also something which is um, really interesting for them. And actually the HSC uh, MBS ranked number one for this networking part by The Economist in 2021, just to give you an idea. So yeah. last but not least, network and community might be priceless. Right. Even though I asked the question, I was as I was asking it, I was reminded of a, a saying I have on the wall in my kitchen. And it's <laughs> uh, by a, a local writer named Will Rogers, who was very popular apparently in the United States in 1930. And he wrote that good judgment comes from experience. And most of that, comes from bad judgment <laughs> so yeah yeah so maybe the M mba short circuits some of that bad judgment part yeah <laughs> which can be very expensive <laughs> can be very very expensive very very things. expensive yeah. yes yes and um i think also what we all say is we accelerate through mba you accelerate your understanding your capability to judge your business loadage so yeah it probably just um give your an acceleration process so to right. say like a and, startup. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, you avoid some of that bad judgment education. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned earlier the difference, you know, what we discussed, the difference between deep tech entrepreneurship or, or the specifically deep tech entrepreneurship. Can you see how how is that developing going forward? You and I spoke briefly earlier this week yeah. and you mentioned that you were at a very interesting conference. Can you touch on that? Yeah. We really see an exciting development on this. In Europe, you have, a, and in France, you have a lot of important engineer schools, and we can see really, generally speaking, a lot of more and more projects coming out of that. And then at HSC, we actually mix up those engineers with our business people. And this is so exciting. When we think about the future of tomorrow, there's a lot of technology. Our economy, our world will benefit. And I say will benefit from the future technology. Climate crisis, we will have through technology and innovation. And the conference I was in, I have spent a few days this week, is actually AIC, which is the International Conference for Astronauts, actually <laughs> took place in Paris this year. And I can now see entrepreneurs taking part of the uh, space adventure. Okay, obviously there's Elon Musk and SpaceX. 
for sure. But still, we can see so many development coming now from this entrepreneurship and being able to contribute to our future space adventure, future. And again, space will be part of our world tomorrow. Space can help us to have a look on climate. And so, so many opportunities. And actually, Mr. Al Gore mentioned it in Davos this year, saying that there's a, like a momentum where entrepreneurship can be part of the future solution and for, for the solution space for good, so to say. Uh, so he really sees the momentum here uh, at the moment. So to sum up, we are totally excited about this impact from technology and combining this with our business, our students, and then having this yeah, technology entrepreneurship being part of building our future. This is what we can see, uh, I think worldwide and especially in Europe and in France. Wow, very interesting. So it was an amazing time to be there. And see it sounded like, like fascinating. <laughs> but I mean, look, the space exploration is exciting and interesting. And I very vividly remember, you know, uh, man's landing on the moon and watching it on, on television. That has not changed our lives, though. How not is it yet. going? To, it's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> it's exciting. It's, it's yeah. all that. Mm. But how is it going to improve our lives? Mm. Was there any examples of that at the conference? Yeah, I think there, uh, there are a lot of examples already, uh, a lot for medical research. Okay. You have different, even L'Oreal do some exciting research in the space. So I think this is what we can see today already having an impact. But it's also what the future can do, again, on climate, for example, all the information we can get from space so that we can have innovation to solve our climate problems we have and we are facing uh, on Earth. So there are more and more solutions coming out of space helping us. There are also some, we can see it like, it's an important impact actually, we can give access to internet worldwide. You know, right. it's a lot of things we can get there. It's step by step. So I think there are a lot of things coming in the future. And I don't know what we will discover once we are on the moon and we can go to Mars or whatever it is. I think there are a lot of things uh, coming. But immediately, I think research, communication, information, and uh, last but not least, climate challenge, probably we will get some help uh, out of that. I believe, just to, to answer my own question for a minute. I believe Velcro, you know, the fasteners, the Velcro fasteners yeah. came out of NASA and the, oh, and the space exploration of the 60s. Wow. So <laughs> that would be, you know, a very simplistic kind of response, but just yeah. probably where my knowledge is at. All right, <laughs> let's get back to entrepreneurship. What is your favorite piece of advice for, let's say, college mm -hmm. students or adults out of college who have a what they think of as a great idea for business? Hmm. Um. Interesting question. A lot of things I would like to answer. But okay. if I need to say one thing, uh, one advice. I'll, I'll give, give you more than one. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's one I really like. And actually, we say make it happen, make it big. So means you can have a small and beautiful idea, but look at it and have a be excited about the idea to grow it in order to have a big impact. When you have one of our students saying, okay, I would like to do what, like, whatever, uh, selling pizza in one, in one place, would say, okay, think about your place where you can sell pizza, but think about doing it all over the world, you know, just 
think about, make it happen, make it, but think about how your project, even though you need to start small, no doubt about this, uh, think about how you can grow it if, and if there's an opportunity to grow it and if you can scale it in order to get impact and a more important impact. We are really looking at all our projects. We're looking that they have an impact on business and society. So this would be the second part, second answer I would, an advice I would give. Is this project able to contribute to business and to economy, uh, but also on society? And we can see honestly at our students, they are more and more looking for that. Uh, how can I have an impact on economy and on society or other, on climate or whatever? So um, yeah, looking for impact. What's your impact through this project? What's the social good? What's the benefit? I mean, any legitimate business really has to serve a need or solve a problem. Sorry? I said any legitimate business yeah. has to serve a need or solve a problem. Yeah. And I think business can help to do oh, yeah. a lot of things. You know, governments have a part, have a part um, a lot of um, ONGs have part, but also business can really help and have an impact tomorrow. At least yeah. we are totally convinced about this, and uh, it's also responsible to be responsible. Uh, if you if you start your business, you need to be responsible of what you're doing with your business and right. the way you grow it. For sure. Yeah. So make it happen, make it big, and look for impact on economy and society. Those would be the two answers I would give. Great. Uh, to a person asking me. <laughs> Great. So speaking about making it big or uh, having impact. Of the four new unicorns in France in 2022, two of them, their master's degrees at, and again, I'm going to pronounce it the American way, I apologize, HEC, <laughs> of a total of 24 unicorns, HEC yeah. alumni founders represented 25%, which I think, well, actually it was a different 25% you alluded to. Now that's a pretty impressive track record, if you ask me. Hmm. What aspects of HEC's entrepreneurial offerings do you feel were most helpful in these <laughs> entrepreneurs having the impact and making it so big maybe it's just your focus i don't know um but what would you answer it's not our focus to to start with because we think unicorns are important but you also can grow a business without being a unicorn so first answer we don't okay. focus on unicorns for sure as i mentioned make it happen make it big if you have a unicorn you can have a huge impact our first unicorn was actually Ductolib, which is a platform to help to have your medical appointments. And actually, it was so helpful during the pandemic to the government and for all of us, for all citizens. So again, unicorn and having a big impact is nice, but not only uh, unicorns are, are our focus, definitely. So what, what makes the difference? It's, it's a huge number, to be honest. Uh, we're a little bit surprised, even though ourselves. And so we thought about what, what, what do we do? What, what kind of reason might be behind? What we can see is, um, again, we think education can really help you. And, and being uh, performant and yeah, driving a, a business with performance. First, education. Second, as I mentioned, we mix up those engineers with our business students. So the fact that you can bring those people together, they sit in one classroom, they meet, they can find some very brilliant ideas. So second, the diversity of our students might be an answer. 
And then the third part is, I mentioned earlier for the incubator, we really think that there is an ecosystem around HSC students with alumni, with those professors, and there's a very close link to all this ecosystem. So we also think this ecosystem around them will help them really to grow and to, to make their business happen. So might be three reasons. There might be others. I should ask our students or our unicorns actually, Really, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they're really, yeah, it's really nice because they now say very often they say thank you to Ashesi. Thank you. Uh, my experience has been important. Um, so thank you for helping me to to be able to build this business. So it's right. it's nice also. That is very nice. It must be very rewarding. Yeah. What are some of the differences between entrepreneurship in Europe and in the United States? Or in France, <laughs> specifically in the United States. <laughs> nice question, Linda. So if I answer, there are not a lot of differences. Okay. <laughs> this might be surprising for the US. I don't know. It probably <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, what we can see it again, there's not so much, there are not so much differences. What I, we can see is that Europe was a little bit behind the US, honestly. <laughs> on this part and we can see a growing ecosystem and growing support the government has been very supportive especially the french government in the last years so we can see more and more investment more and more funding opportunities more and more support from the government more and more students as i mentioned looking for entrepreneurship so I would say that we are catching up <laughs> in Europe and the way to do the business is almost the same. There's a little difference because you're not in one place. We don't have one Silicon Valley, actually. Right. I think right. we have like innovation hubs all over Europe. There are some of them we can see that the value creation is very important. London is still a very important place yeah. for value creation. Paris is obviously the other one in Europe, and the third one, which is Munich in Germany. So what is different in, in Europe is an entrepreneur in Europe is not working in one place. He probably will work in London, work in Munich, work in Paris, which is actually nice, uh, but not in one place. And so you have those ecosystems like mini Silicon Valleys. You have education, you have the corporates, you have finance, and you have the startup projects, but in different places in Europe. I was saying also multilingual. Yeah, uh, but English is actually the most important uh, language. So you work in English all over Europe. So this is uh, not an issue anymore. It's still nice if you speak some French and if you're aperitif in the evening, that's Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. It's uh, business English. I would like to, if you you don't mind, I would like to mention Asia. If we talk about the US and Europe, that's perfect. But I think we also need to keep an eye on what's happening in Asia, even though it's more difficult and China it's a little bit more difficult to access at the moment. But there are a lot of things happening on innovation and entrepreneurship in Asia and especially also in China. So I think altogether we should have an eye, keep an eye on it. Uh, there are things going on in Shenzhen, Greater Bay Area. So yeah, let's look Certainly. also, uh, let's have a look on innovation entrepreneurship in China. And uh, we shouldn't underestimate the innovation entrepreneurship they have in place and they are supporting and heavily supporting within in Asia Pacific. So there might be Silicon Valley West, Silicon Valley East, 
and the European whatever multiple Silicon Valley. And right. those, so I think a lot of innovation is going on all over the world. And Africa is also starting a little bit to, uh, to conclude on this. There are some hubs in Northern Africa and also Western Africa, South Africa. There are some yeah. special places where innovation entrepreneurship uh, start to grow. So overall, I think the, the, the global, um, global place is a very innovative place. Yeah, certainly there's been an enormous amount of change, you know, in the last yeah, uh, 30 think, years. Yeah, honestly, we can see this. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So thank you for that answer. Now, one of the entrepreneurial mantras that I hear bandied about is uh, fail fast and fail often. What do you think <laughs> about that? With an 85% uh, success rate, I'm going to guess I, you're not too much in favor of it. Yeah. But <laughs> I was thinking about it. Now, seriously, it's a little bit of culture. We still think, obviously, you can learn from your failures and you should always learn from your failures. That's for sure. And this is like, a, I think it's a global mantra uh, we can have. But uh, from a cultural point of view, failure is not the same in France compared to the US probably. So we don't like so much failure in France, you know? Yeah. So um, again, this is a culture difference. Uh, still, you can learn from failures, but yeah, I think um, we try to help you to be successful. So it's learning by doing, but yeah, we would say learning by doing and make the, your business successful. It's also, it can be quite expensive to fail too much. So um, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, so I think we try to help them to be successful, but still definitely learning by doing and definitely you can learn from your failures. But yeah, yeah I, I read it. once that um, a failure is a mistake that you didn't learn from. So I'm not I'm not a big fan of this mantra actually. I think I think it's way overrated. Okay. I think most people yeah. definitely prefer success to failure, but I like the definition of, of failure as a mistake you didn't learn from. Yeah, very nice. And that way, yeah. if you learn from a mistake, it's not really a failure. Didn't mm. didn't end up the way yeah. you wanted, but it's not a complete write-off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you like me to ask you? This has been fascinating. I really don't want it to end, but uh, I think we both have other things to do. <laughs> uh, it was very interesting. Thank you so much, Linda. I think you asked me already about this impact we have from uh, entrepreneurship in tech and space. Yeah. So the question around how can we build a better future and can innovation and entrepreneurship and tech entrepreneurship be part of the solution, you know, not being a problem, but being part of the solution. So this um, contribution we can give to our future world and um, and economy and society, this is something, yeah, we are really, very, it's very close to our heart, actually. So to end this, to end our conversation today with saying, hey, we'd like to contribute to, uh, to this uh, better world, uh, this is something which um, I really, I, honestly, I'm excited about this. And I can see all those young people and less young people being so innovative and bringing new ideas. So this is a quite exciting environment, actually, we are working in. And it gives me a little bit of hope, you know, saying uh, there are a lot of solutions out there. So let's be a part of the solution. That's a great idea.
Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Inga. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about HEC's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center? Would be a pleasure if you click on Make It Happen, Make It Big. Uh, you can find more information about the Innovation Entrepreneurship Center, other things we are doing, the projects we have. So please uh, join us and click on Make It Happen, Make It Big. Yeah, and join the community. Wonderful. Thanks again. We're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 492 to the HEC Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center, which is makeithappenmakeitbig.com, as well as to other resources and shows of interest to listeners. Listener, thank you too for joining Inga Kaklo-Devi and me for our 492nd episode. Just a quick reminder, take our new quiz, accept.com slash MBA. It's free, and it will give you a chance to see how well you are approaching the entire application process. Plus, it also links to additional resources that can really help you out. The quiz and the other resources can all be found in our show notes at exhibit.com slash 492. Our 492nd episode is just about over. Don't miss any other shows, be they with fascinating professors, informative admissions directors, educational test prep pros, insightful students, or alumni doing great things. Subscribe so that you get them all. Thanks again for listening. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.